Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome back to our watch club for HBO's The Last of Us. There's no such thing as luck. No, uh, I, I believe everything happens for a reason. Watch Club. My name is Nate, and this is our Watch Club for HBO's The Last of Us, Episode 8, titled When We Are in Need, directed by Ali Abbasi. Uh, special thanks, as always, to our partners at Crave and HBO for letting us watch this series in advance. If you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for, for this episode, uh, as but not the games. We're not going to spoil stuff from the future of the games at this point. Uh, but even still, if you haven't watched this week's episode yet, be sure to do so and then come right back faster than a fresh, hungry runner. Now, before we all lose a kneecap, let me introduce you to my buddy boy and fellow survivor. He's taller than a bloater, and he's certainly an Ellie toter. He's Justin the Joel Lovin. Lawrence, how you doing, man? Hello, my fellow cannibalist. How are you? <laughs> okay, listen. <laughs> with all the news going on in Hollywood about cannibalists, we're not going to put that onto the recorded airways. Um, but I am doing, I am doing well. Um, you know, I think this is crazy. We've we're second last week, dude. This this series, mm-hmm. this season is almost over. We have one yep. more week to go, uh, and you know we'll get the finale. But Justin, this week's episode, um, you know, much like the rest of this series, gets pretty heavy <laughs> again. Um, you know, the amount of stuff I've been seeing on Twitter of people just like, just like you know the the gifts of of people just exhausted. After watching these these episodes weekly and the things that happen, it can be a lot. Um, and in this episode in particular, we get an emphasis on meat or what some would might consider uh, meat. Um, and there's a, a lovely steakhouse called Todd's Steakhouse uh, that we get to see. Uh, I want to know before we get into this heavy episode uh, and it's it's even harder to watch final moments. What is your go to steak and where is it from? So I, I do fancy a steak every so often, yeah. but I, I've kind of off red meat. Okay. I've been off. Red I've heard meat that's for a, a good bit. thing. Like, it's yeah. It's I, I I just don't eat it as much. Mm-hmm. Um, I know over the holidays, you know, we got together and we actually went to a steakhouse, and that was the first time I had red meat in months. Oh like, wow! I can't even remember the last time before that. Um, so I'm not really that big of a steak guy anymore. Mm-hmm. You'd be a um, terrible cannibal. You'd be awful. I know. I, I know. <laughs> I, I will say though, if I if I am eating a steak, yeah, it's probably going to be of the beef kind. It would be a sirloin of of, of some kind. Okay. Um, but my go to steak mm-hmm. that I've really enjoyed is tuna steaks. Oh, you ever tuna steak? No, no, no. They are so good. Really? Um. Oh, actually, for my birthday, I I bought a couple tuna steaks and and I made them myself. I battered them and yeah. grilled them and you sear the outside so that it's you know warm but then on the inside it's cool it's still pink and almost like raw fish like sushi um and yeah you make a nice spicy mayo style dipping sauce it is delicious okay 
I think that's the only steak I'll eat from here on out. <laughs> Especially after this episode, maybe. Um, Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I think for me, um, I got to go with my tried and true, the original, the goat of steaks from the French, the filet mignon, the filet mignon. Uh, I'm I, the French invented it, right? I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I think they invented the idea of wrapping the steak in, in bacon. bacon. <laughs> Probably yeah. some like really fat French king was like, "This isn't fattening enough. Let's put bacon on it." Um, but you know, I think steak connoisseurs don't at me. Um, but I would go, you know, I do like a, a medium well with that, right? Or sometimes I'll just do medium every now and then. I know people get really upset the moment you say well. Well, anything, um, but but hey, it's an option for a reason. People like it. Yeah, so come on. Okay, it's how I like it. I, I like it how I like it. You know, again, I've been pressured into into medium before, and it's not bad. It's not. It's you know, it's it. I get I get the allure. Um, I just can't go anything lower than that. I would say probably. Um, and uh, and then you got a side of twice baked potato, obviously, right? And we're we're at the keg, so we're getting a Billy Minor pie. Like that is the steak experience. Okay, now you're just for me. That's no, like, you. But you've got you've left the steak experience, and now you've gone to dessert. <laughs> but it's all. It has to all be one thing for me. I can't. It's. I can't have one without the other. If if you just gave me a steak, I'd probably be like, well, I can't eat it unless you put those other two things. Anyways, um, before David chops us up into little pieces, let's get into this week's episode. So we open this week with a reading from the New Testament of the Bible, uh, Revelation 21, read by David, as we see a montage of footage in and around the snow-covered Silver Lake Resort. Uh, In the steakhouse slash church, I guess, as they've made it, uh, we see Hannah starts to cry. David says, you know, he's read this passage too many times, and she asks him when they can bury her dead father. Uh, And he looks at James and responds by telling her the ground is too cold to dig. Uh, and they'll they'll bury her father uh, in the spring. After the service, uh, the community leaves, and David asks James how much longer their rations will last. James lets him know it's going to be about two weeks, and David tells him that he senses doubt, uh, not in the community, but in him. Uh, James tells him, you know, the last six months have been hard, uh, but that he's still he's still with him. He's still with David, and David says, "Good, go get your guns because we're going to go hunting." So. Before we keep going here, uh, Justin, what did you think of our introduction to Scott Shepard as David, and more importantly, uh, Troy Baker as James? Well, Scott Shepard as David was a perfect casting, I think. Yeah. Uh, He was charming. You know, his personality was warm, yet underneath it, you sensed a very non-trustworthy individual (laughs) uh, that might have a lingering sort of disgusting characteristic mm-hmm. um and and he seems to sort of get off on power yeah like even in the instance of how he's speaking to james yeah like, i sense doubt in you yeah it's almost like oh. the emperor speaking Horrible. to vader yeah oh yeah for sure um and you know our boy troy baker uh, as james uh he was he was great i think he he played you know the would-be dead character with uh <laughs> you know a sense of uh validity mm-hmm. that was needed because i think again he's known as a as as a voice actor uh m- most most of the time but here he actually really matched some of the the other actors by using his face and his eyes uh to convey emotions rather than just relying on his words and you know you said he sounded like Joel, and, and watching it back, I can hear it. You can hear it, right? At times, you're right. Yeah, right, for sure. I, I totally could. But what I think is really great is that you know, in the game, he's obviously the hero, and, and in this adaptation, he is a villain. 
um, that I think emphasizes the power that David has. And, yeah. and we'll talk about that more as we go through. But he seems like he's under David's spell. And, you know, that, that very much translates in the way Troy Baker acts through his eyes and his facial reactions and so on. So I think he did great. Yeah, he's, you know, it's it's interesting because... He is he is a fantastic actor, and I mean, keep in mind, mm -hmm. it wasn't just the voice of Joel, right? He, he's right. performance, performance capture, yeah. right? So the the performance that we got in that game, and in, in you know, is very much him. Um, but it was so weird just to sort of, you know, he, hear his voice coming out of James every now and then. There's like in little moments where I'm just like, well, it it, it was it threw me off a little bit, but I did. I, I'm happy that they gave him more to do in this uh in this story right because james in the game has i think one line and is there for maybe a total of like 12 12 or 13 seconds of on-screen time like it's nothing yeah no for sure but it is clear though in the game very much here that he is sort of his right hand man yes someone that david trusts well right? and i i so... love the 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 subtle look over to james right when she says can i can we bury my dad or my can we, when can we bury him oh, or whatever you know. and you know what i mean and he's like you're like okay hannah's dad is probably already he's strung hanging up somewhere. right he's prepped yep. for eating at this point which yep. is so yep. nasty um and scott shepherd is great in that he's he's awful like like it's yes it's, again it's we exactly. talk about that, characters in, in in hbo shows that yep. you love to hate and he did a really good job at making me want to just completely i want to take his kneecap off if you know what i mean um but you know the way that he's like i think he you're right he you you said the word charming and i, I definitely agree with that and, and manipulative and he's manipulative he's yeah. he's this nice preacher leader of the flock but it's it's a persona uh, and in the games, he's voiced by Nolan North, who you might know as uh, Nathan Drake, right? And he also, I think in the game, he also gives a really great sort of nice guy turned super creep performance. But here we get a little bit more of uh, more time with David. And again, I think that kind of speaks to, I mean, we literally say it every week, but the way that they're adapting from the game. Yeah, they're. There's liberties in this episode yeah. that add more to the character of David. And I think even just to see him with his flock, mm -hmm. if you will, and how he's speaking to them. And we'll get some more moments in this episode. But it is a reminder of, of how David had a control or a power over people um, that that allowed them to listen to him. Well, and I think... You know, I think the 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 verse that he's reading right off the the get here. Um, I'm not sure which version he's reading from, but I looked up the New International Version passage, uh, and it says, "Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea." Uh, and then the part that he leaves out, he kind of skips. Uh, it says, "I saw the holy city, the New Jerusalem, coming down out of the out of heaven from God, uh, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Uh, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, "Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God." So I'm thinking here when he's talking about God dwelling among the people, he's talking, he's thinking about himself, right? He thinks he's their God. He's masquerading as this, as a deliverer of God's will when actually it's just, it's just his own. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we, and we haven't really, we haven't really tapped into that yet, but you're absolutely right. Given the context of where we do get into sort of understanding 
that it's a fraud. Yeah. He's a con man. Yeah. He is literally getting off on the idea that he is seen as a leader by these these people, right? Yeah. Because they have they have no one to lead them. They're lost, if you will. Mm-hmm. Lost sheep. Um which again, you know, Joel he, he mentions that. Joel yeah. wants to, you know, have a sheep farm, right? <laughs> so he wants to be a leader is what you're that, saying. You he know, wants David's job. Right? Is what you're saying. Maybe. I get you. Does he though? Cuz he or does he want to run away from it every every time he gets a, I don't know. I don't know. Let's keep going here. Maybe we're getting too <laughs> in the weeds ellie's still looking after joel realizes she needs to get them food so she grabs tommy's rifle and heads out of the abandoned subdivision she sees a rabbit but after chasing it she bails hard right onto her face in the snow uh and i felt so bad for her in that moment because i've you've done that before haven't you bailed hard in the snow yeah, who hasn't like face first in the snow uh I can't recall. Oh, I've bailed hard in other situations, yeah. but yeah. Not a true Canadian. Bailed hard off a skateboard. Uh, that was yeah. <laughs> brutal. Um, so then at that point, um, sorry, she hears what she thinks might be an infected, but it turns out to be a deer. Uh, using all the tips Joel taught her, she lays down, lines up her shot, and fires, but only wounds the deer, and it ends up dead at the feet of James and David. Uh, as they go to take it, Ellie stops them and tells them to drop their weapons, turn around and walk away. David introduces himself and James and tells her they're from a larger group and they're all very, very hungry. And Ellie lies and tells him she's also from a larger group. And uh, and then David offers to trade her some medicine for some of the deer. James then apprehensively leaves to go get medicine and David offers to have them wait uh, for him in a nearby hut where they can take shelter and start a fire. She agrees but tells him he has to bring the deer with them. Uh, while sitting there uh, at the fire, they discuss David's discovery of religion and how he discovered God after the apocalypse, uh, after the Pittsburgh QZ fell in 2017. He tells Ellie there's no such thing as luck and that everything happens for a reason. And he can prove it because he tells her uh, that he sent four of his people to a nearby town and only three of them came back and that one, the one that didn't, uh, had a daughter just like her uh, and that her dad was taken from her, murdered by a crazy man, a crazy man traveling with a little girl. He then tells James to lower his gun. Ellie turns to James holding her rifle. Uh, James asks if she's, uh, if she's the one that killed Alec and David instructs James to throw the medicine towards her. Then Ellie, uh, he tells Ellie he can protect her uh, as she runs off back to Joel. So, uh, what did you think of sort of d- getting, we got David's origin story, if you will, uh, a little bit different than in the game. And why do you mm-hmm. think he let Ellie go in this moment? Well, let's be real here. It was very much like the game from, from start to finish, subtle changes here and there, uh, but dialogue play by play, this felt very similar. And in the game, you know, he let her go so he could track her. Yeah. He has people, he has hunters, he has all these people that are are trained. They're going to be able to track her and they're going to be able to get to Joel because they know she's taking care of him mm-hmm. and he's the one that they want um, to be held accountable for, for the killing of Alec. Mm-hmm. Um, as for his origin story, like, look, this, this guy's a creep, okay? Like, he's got, like, one of those seedy... Game of Thrones type character traits, <laughs> you know, like he's the guy pulling the strings yeah. and gets what he wants, like Littlefinger or oh, he's or such a little who's, finger, who's into dude. feet, yeah, or the guy who's into oh, feet from, from House of House the Dragon, Dragons. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Feet guy. oh god, <laughs> feet dude. Oh, um, but I think again, I think his his story here, uh, you know, he turned to the book as a means to be seen as a leader, yeah, in a time 
when everyone and everything was falling apart. The QZ fell apart mm-hmm. in, in Pittsburgh and, and you know, he saw an opportunity to take what he can. He did that with not actually, as you said, not actually believing it. It's a persona. It's 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 a it's a means to an end, if you will. And he knew that uh, that people would follow him if he was that preacher. He knew that. So the dude's a liar, man. The yeah. dude's a con artist. Uh, he's 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 got some gross habits um, that will obviously explore more. Sure. But the fact that he you know even choo- chooses to resort to cannibalism to save his people that doesn't make him a hero. No, right? That makes him more of a liar, and 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 him just adding to the lies that he's living. Um, and yeah, I think that it's all just a very telling story as to how this man comes into power just by by becoming a liar at the end of the day. Yeah, and it also like horrifying to hear that he was a teacher prior to the yes. outbreak. Like that sucks. That's awful. And you have to wonder if he was always the way he was or in this episode or if that's something if the outbreak caused him to become this person, you know, obviously we we don't quite know, but it's 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 a not a fun thing to think about. Um and and you know, I think the we we see this turn and we see sort of he takes the mask off for a second. And I think it's important to to make sure that we're we're looking at the distinction of I, well, let me just put it this way. I think there is a lot of negative representation of organized religion of any kind on screen. Uh, you know, there kind of always has been in different ways. Um, and don't get me wrong, I think there's positives and negatives to organized religion in general. But what they've added here with him being a preacher is is less a story about sort of the 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 negativity of of a organized religion or even a cult, but more along the lines of kind of what you were just talking about of of the fact that like people can be easily manipulated when they're in need. They can you know this guy he's not strong. He doesn't even seem that smart or 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 convincing. The, he just takes he's just taking advantage of the situation and unfortunately in in a lot of instances and in this one in particular you know that the person that is is sort of um i guess trying to provide this this these beliefs is an awful person right it, it's it's and it, he it's such a dark reality when it comes to you know i think the other examples of leadership that we've seen on the show like we we've also had kathleen who you know was just completely in for herself right it was just for revenge she just needed to get to to henry which caused her people to follow her into death right and then on the opposite side we have maria and jackson and how that community is able to function without having to you know eat each other and i think it just shows that these again these teachings can come from you know all these different beliefs they're they're not in they're not inherently bad but the people who interpret those teachings that's very exactly well could it be. it's not the it's not the it's not the words yeah. it's not it's not it's not the the book itself that's bad it's the people that take the words yeah and skew it and make it work for them yeah do you know what i mean like that's that's the problem and i think that the reason why as you pointed out organized religion might be seen as like sort of the center of of maybe some of those um stories where we do see people kind of abusing power it's because like you said people that have religious faith 
they can be seen as people that that need that for themselves, mm-hmm. right? That 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 are 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 needing that security of what the what religion can provide. Yeah. And someone is seeing an opportunity to exploit that. And I think that's very much what David is doing here. And it's clear that like, and even like you said, like you said, he's taking off the mask. I don't even think he's really taking off the mask. It's like, he's kind of like just, you know, lifting, lifting it, it up just a little ever bit. So yeah. slightly. Yeah. yeah. Because like, even still it's like, it's like, does he still have good intentions? Like we know who the character is and we know where it plays out. But even if you think about an audience member, who's, who doesn't really know how to read this character at this moment. This is kind of like a, almost like, well, is, does he have good intentions or is he, do you know what I mean? Like you don't really know. Right. Right. You got to think too, most of our, our discussion in and around David, it comes from the fact that we know yeah. where, where it was who going. his character is in yeah, the game. Of course. Yeah. Well, and, and um, I think the only other thing that I, I kind of wanted to call out here was kind of Ellie's um, trust of the, penicillin because i guess in my mind initially i was sort of thinking like okay does james does james recognize her right off the get or or is it only once he gets back that he overhears the conversation between the two of them and then understands because in my mind if he if he did understand right off the get like you know he could have he could have poisoned that insulin right and then she would have taken it back and they would have been like great now we just have a new fresh body to eat you know what i mean like I, I don't know sure no i think i think again i the way i understood it even from the situation of the game yeah. to hear is that word got back that you know alec died at the hands of some man traveling with a little girl mm-hmm. and then they stumbled upon a little girl and i think they just put two and two together right like how what are the odds that this would happen right right and the fact that she's looking for medicine and stuff like that, it's a very easy sort of let these pieces fall into place. I know who you are. You're the person. You're with someone who killed our men. Like, I think it was pretty easy to deduce. But I don't know if James is, given how he kind of is timid and kind of like, you know, looks at David as kind of like his leader. I don't think he's going to go against what, what David's asking of him. Right. He's still going to. Just get the Because penicillin. I think he still believes. Yeah. Because yeah, I still think he believes as well. Like, they'll track her. They know they will, mm. right? Like the, it's it's winter. It's not very like sprawled out. Like there's there's only so many places that she, she could, could be, be hiding. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's it's pretty straightforward. So All right. Well, let's keep going here. Back with Joel, she injects him with the penicillin, covers him with a blanket and lays down beside him. And then back in the kitchens at the resort, Alex's widowed wife asks what the meat is that they're preparing and she's told it's venison. Uh, and I, I, Justin, the amount of unconvincingly, <laughs> the amount unconvincingly, the, the way the camera he waited too long before he said, yeah, and the way the camera was following all the times the meat was on screen. I'm just like, oh, they are just, they're hamming it up for all the people that don't quite fully understand yet what's going on. And I was just like, oh, it's so gross. Um, and then back at the steakhouse, uh, James and David bring the deer back with them. Uh, and in front of the community, David addresses the quiet crowd that, yes, the rumors are true. They discovered the girl who was traveling with the man who took Alec from them. In response to this, Alec's daughter, Hannah, proclaims that they should kill them, kill them both. Uh, and David lets out a sigh, slowly takes off his glove and then backhand, backhands her uh, out of her seat onto the ground. He then extends his hand, helps her back up, and tells her that she always, uh, she will always have a father and that she must show him respect when he's speaking. 
Hannah's mom brings David a meal as she sits at their table. They all pray and proceed to eat. So besides the obvious fact that David is a terrible person, uh, why do you think he slapped Hannah here? It's clear David is completely insecure. Like when he walks in, he senses the vibe yeah. that everyone's talking about him. And I think and talking about the situation, which I think in in many ways challenges his leadership. Mm-hmm. Right. So him going over and slapping this girl in the face is almost a, a way for him to tell people, stop questioning him. Yeah. Uh, I'm your leader. Right. And here's me showing my authority. I'm going to slap this little girl who just lost her father without any result. Oh. I'm not, I don't care. Yeah. Right. So it's it's one of those things where it's very obvious that the intention here is is a power play. It's it's like, hey. I got the power. Remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it it's I think the part that really sort of stuck out to me as like, oh, no, he he goes from you're right. He goes from from feeling like, oh, no, I'm losing them or or I'm sensing that doubt to this moment where he slaps her. And then the and moment like, <gasps> and the moment no one does anything, that's it. He extends his hand out. And as soon as she takes his hand. That he's he's like okay we're fine I've got all of them back yeah. again and and his sheep it's, are in line oh and it's so gross too because like the way he j- has uh, the mom just instantly goes and gets him a plate and then they sit down together and just have a meal and I'm just like oh this is it's so messed up um yeah they they uh, they don't respect him I think they as much as they fear him fear in him this situation. exactly yeah. 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 All right. Well, back with Joel, Ellie continues to take care of him. Uh, and while she's feeding the horse, she sees a flock of crows disturbed not far from them. She sees David, James and four other men out searching for her. James argues with David that if they bring her back, it's just another mouth to feed uh, and says maybe leaving her uh, out here to starve is God's will. David looks at him sternly and James apologizes with his eyes. Uh, Ellie rushes down the stairs to wake up Joel, but nothing works. She puts a knife in his hands and tells him that if anyone makes it down the stairs, uh, he needs to kill them. She gets on his ho- she gets on the horse and uh, rides up behind them, and then she calls them motherfuckers, shoots at them twice, and rides off. And I'm like, yeah, hell yeah, Ellie, go go. But then then David uh, shouts out, you know, he he wants her alive. He says alive, and James catches up to her and shoots the horse. It goes down, rest in peace, horse, uh, and Ellie falls off and gets the wind knocked out of her. One of the men says, do it. Uh, And James reloads his rifle, and as he's about to kill her, David shoots his gun in the air to stop them. He tells tells two of them to drag the horse. Uh, He picks up Ellie uh, and tells the rest of them to go door to door in search of Joel. He says, if they're so hungry for vengeance, deliver it. Uh, And the wordplay there, uh, using (laughs) hungry... For Oof. vengeance, really, really great writing here. So, why do you think? Um, I, I want to kind of go a little bit, just a slight, slight amount of back here. Um, why do you think James so quickly backed down from David here? Well, I think it's clear he's he's afraid of of David. Yeah, because I'm sure he knows, or he's seen David kill those who have challenged him. Yeah, right, and have turned them into food. Mm. So, I think that. This again, as you mentioned, the more of this sense of respect really it stems from fear. Yeah, they fear him, right? Which again is it's just 
a constant theme through this series, yeah. right? People are fearful of this infection. People are fearful of losing their, their others. People are fearful of becoming food to other people. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? So I think James' apologetic eyes really does stem from him being scared that he, he doesn't want to be served up as, as food to, to the flock. Well, I think, I think James, you know, I think you're, you're right. Again, love and fear. And James thought he could follow this man, right? This good man. But over the past six months, I think his his respect, his admiration for David turns into fear. And and you have to imagine that that comes from months of David conditioning the community to be afraid, right? To be afraid of, of well, if I'm not here, you cannot succeed. If you don't have what I can provide, then you you will you will you'll lose. You'll you'll all lose. Mm-hmm. And so in this way, he's he's Fedra. Like he is just Fedra at this point, right? I remember, you know, last week's episode um, where, you know, I really liked that guy's haircut, but Captain Kwong was very much saying, you know, if, if it wasn't for what we're doing, everyone would, yeah. you know, starve or kill each other. Um, and in this case, they're killing each other and not starving. But um, but I think, I think if this episode didn't end the way it did for David, I do think that this community, this Silver Lake community, would become very similar to Kansas City. Uh, and I would 100%. I would like to hope that the the people of Silver Lake would eventually rise up. Um, thankfully, they don't they don't have to now. I guess. Well, it's <laughs> but again, they they're they they're fearful of one person. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Whereas like Kansas City, they were just fearful of the organization as a whole. Right. Right. Yeah. So you know they're under the the, the fist and hand of of David, not God. David, mm. right? Who wields the words of God? Right. And I think. In many cases, I think it's safe to assume that many of the people probably in the town, other than maybe kids and maybe some other people, are aware of the cannibalistic nature. Yeah. Right? But they also Few see it mm-hmm. probably as a means to an end to stay alive. Right. But like how and much I'm of sure that he's how much of okay that was that. right. And how much I was gonna say how he's much is okay that, that him convincing them. hundred percent. He's have convincing to do. them that this is what we have yeah. to do. Yeah. Right? This is what we have to do to stay alive. Well, Let's see what Joel has to do to stay alive here. We see Joel wake up and as he, you know, proceeds to brutally kill one of the men in the basement. And there's just that look in that guy's eyes when he's like the blood's coming through his teeth. It's like terrifying. And the squirt that. that Oh, gosh, don't remind me. Um, So back with Ellie, she wakes up in a cage and David tells her if she can't find a way to trust him, then yes, she is alone. And then we see Joel has two other guys uh, trapped in the basement, duct taped up, uh, and uh, he's he's got both of them. He's he's torturing them to get information from them, and after stabbing one in the knee, threatening to remove his kneecap, he has uh, he has that guy point at a map with a knife to let him know where they are in relation to where the resort is, uh, telling him it better be the exact same spot his buddy points to. The man agrees, and Joel removes the knife uh, from his mouth and then stabs it into his neck. The other one shouts at Joel and asks him why he killed his friend. And when he tells Joel he's not saying shit, Joel picks up a pipe and says, it's okay, I believe him, and proceeds to bash the guy's skull in. So this is probably as brutal as we've seen Joel since at least uh, the ending of episode one. What did you think Mm -hmm. of this terrifying example of Joel's past coming back to him? Oh, he's in full rage mode because, you know, He's protecting Ellie. Yeah. You know, Ellie went through hell and high water to keep him alive. So he's going to go to hell and back to make sure that she's okay. Yeah. 
You know, he doesn't care for these guys. He's so enraged that whoever these people are, they took her and he doesn't think that they have good intentions, which it's rightfully so because no one can be trusted. Um, and you know, these dudes are expendable. So fuck them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, you know, this was again, play by play from, from the game. And it was, you know, here's where it's okay in my opinion to really play off of the game and give us that moment. We're going to get another one later, obviously, Mm -hmm. but here, especially because it foreshadows the rage that we'll see later. Right. It foreshadows that that sense of survival that we'll that we saw and that sense of protection that we saw from Joel in episode 1. You know, it's 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 kind of this um rage blackout if you will. You know what I mean? Sure. That it you has, can see it in his face. Like I think protection. Pedro Pascal's oh, yeah. face in this moment it's it's kind of there's no emotion. He's just kind of like you're right, he's kind of like blacked out. Uh, and his eyes are just dead. Um, and I think this is exactly what, what Craig Mazin has been talking about, you know, this entire time when he does discuss how love doesn't always lead to positive <laughs> outcomes, to positive things. Right. Like at the end of the day, these people are terrible. Uh, it's a good thing that they're not, you know, necessarily allowed to continue. Um, but at the same time, this is still death. This is still violence. Um, and I think it it really highlights what, what Craig has talked about in the podcast um, on the official podcast, which is the idea of the primal love of a parent. And this, this exemplified, this scene is, is, is Joel doing anything he can, he can to keep Ellie alive. And he, he cares, you're, you know, he doesn't, you're right. He doesn't care about these guys. He cares about them as much as he does the infected or Fedra or any, you know, as Bill puts it, uh, any motherfucker that gets in his way. Right. And so, you know, to see him sort of just go completely blacked out, just completely just tear through these guys. Uh, it's, 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 it's scary. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Um, but then it's also kind of one of those situations where you sort of sit there and you sit with that moment. And I did when I played the game of just like, okay, um, is, is Joel still a, a good person? Right. And you sort of wrestle with that, that concept of morality. And, and, and if, if these actions are justified or if they're not. Um, but dude, when he twists the knife in the knee, oh, it's it. so yeah. like the cartilage and everything. Like, oh my gosh, dude. Oh, just yeah. absolutely terrible. Absolutely. I like how you, how you put it. It's, it's the sort of uh, primal instinct that suddenly comes out. And, and it's so, it's so apparent in this moment that that is exactly what's happening. And again, Pedro Pascal with oh. his acting just, top notch man like even when he walks over and he picks up the steel the steel pipe mm-hmm. and he's just like don't worry i believe him like there's kind of like a sense of like i'm gonna enjoy this yeah right and he just smashes his head oh, so i don't know i think again master class of acting from pedro yeah. pascal and, and another little sort of audio subtle audio thing too with um the guy that he does smash in the head with the pipe when he's when he's mm. sort of like afraid and he's sort of backing away his the back of his head hits the piano and plays some of the same keys that uh my favorite frog from episode two uh also plays <laughs> so anyways let's keep going here um back with ellie she wakes up to see uh, across from her is a uh, sorry across from her cage is a human ear on the ground David brings her a plate of food and realizes she's found out their secret. 
She kicks the plate away, and he uh, and he tells her that there are only a few of his people who know, but he would have told her sooner than later. He says eating people was a last resort, and he he's not proud of it, but he had no other choice. He tells Ellie she reminds him of himself. She's a natural leader, but she's also violent. She's got a violent heart, and that he's always had a violent heart until the world ended and he was shown the truth, not by God, but by cordyceps. He says cordyceps, uh, you know, aren't evil. Um, they're fruitful. They multiply. They feed and protect their children, uh, and they secure their future, their future with violence if they must. He says they love. Uh, and, you know, at this point, I was just like, okay, this is a, going in a completely different direction here. Um, but he says, you know, he just wants an equal a friend. He puts his hand through the cage onto hers, telling her to imagine the life they could build. Uh, and then she breaks his finger and tries to reach for the keys, but she's unsuccessful. She tells him to tell the others that Ellie is the little girl who broke his fucking finger. And I love Bella's, uh, you know, the, it's very similar to Ashley Johnson's line read of that, that line. But, um, you know, we get a few reveals here. Uh, I think, you know, they are indeed eating people, which I guess would be more of a reveal for people that didn't play the game. Um, they probably have Alec, as we said, already in the barn. He's ready to be enjoyed with some faba beans and a nice Chianti. Uh, and, you know, we also learn David's beliefs, you know, they, yes, as we said, they're they're kind of structured, uh, you know, as his persona to be with God, but he's really going off his inspiration from the cordyceps. And so what did you think of sort of this change to his ideology, uh, especially when it comes from the game? Well, I think it gives more validation as to why he probably went down the route of cannibalism. Mm -hmm. um, and much like how the eating and, you know, how he described, you know, they feed on each That's other. That's his they, justification. They, you know, that was his justification. They have to adapt the cordyceps. But I, I honestly, in, in, a, in, a, in the bigger picture, you know, you, you were talking about it a while back in, in one of our episodes, uh, I think it was episode two, maybe, you know, the idea that terror and horror can be something beautiful. And I think it was in relation to, Oh, I like how the clickers look. look. Yeah. 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 But like just the idea that they, that it, it can be seen as something beautiful. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I think of that almost in relation to a storm. When you look at a storm that, you know, these massive storms that tear up parts of the world, there's always the center of that, the eye of the storm. And, and it's the calm, the peaceful part of this horrendous disaster. And I think in some cases, David is looking at the cordyceps as the calm to the disaster that is humans mm. and human hu human condition. Because of the virus and what it did to the world, he, a teacher or an otherwise bland, sadistic, perverted man, uh, can be seen as a leader because the cordyceps have, have evolved the human condition and what life looks like. He uh, is, a, is now able to be someone in power. They were so his therefore, salvation. Exactly. Yeah. They were his salvation and he was grateful for them. Mm -hmm. So I think in some ways, this sort of uh, proclamation that the cordyceps they love, I think that's how he's able to justify why he leads his his flock the way he does and why he feels so emboldened to do so. See, it's interesting because I, you know, in the game, they, they, they sort of they don't play it uh, as sort of um, elaborately. Right. I, they they you know, they, they sort of just bake it right down to the idea of survival at, at any cost. And it's because in the game, you know, both Joel and Ellie, by this point, 
um, through gameplay, have killed a ton of his people, a ton of his men. And so, oh my God, so know. he, so when he gives that sort of line of like, well, you know, you've killed all these people. Like, how can you say that what we're doing is any less justified? Um, but I think in this case, as far as the cordyceps are concerned, like he, he is right. They're not evil, but that's the double edged sword of human consciousness and morality, right? Like it's, mm. it, it's, it's just another thing that he lets himself believe, right? As we're saying to justify his own selfish actions. And in a way it's, it's just like the cordyceps. He's infected a community of people to believe in him. Right. And he's mm. slowly get, get this, Justin, you're going to love this. He's slowly eating away at them. Sometimes <laughs> literally. Oh. Oh. Whoa! The wordplay. Whoa! Oh. Uh, sorry, I wrote. Stop I it. wrote that, and I'm like, no, nah, this is too much. But I'm also thinking in my head, I'm like, no, I can totally see like a new rock star is like making this comparison. So uh, I had to throw it out there. Yeah, you're 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 a little uh, EA boss. Oh, thank you. you. Oh, that is you. actually such yeah. a freaking compliment. Um, they, <laughs> they, uh, the the line they need a father, you don't. You're beyond that. Uh, all I want is an equal, a friend. It just so pervy, dude. And not only that, but it, it does speak to sort of the you you literally get to see the blueprints for how his mind works in that line, mm-hmm. because he's mm-hmm. he's he's basically being like, "Hey, we're on the same page. We can be. We can do this together." He's trying to create an alignment. He said this to James, yeah, yeah. right? He's probably yeah, said this to exactly. so many people. Where Everyone. He's just, That's how he got people to follow right. him for sure. We are the yeah. same. You and I. We need to yep. get through this together. Mm-hmm. But the entire time, he's he's still going about it in the sense of like, but I'm still going to have more power. Yeah, absolutely. Brutal. Brutal. Especially the fact yeah. that he says like, they don't need a father. You're beyond that. Like, you're beyond that. Like, he's, how much is he able to rewarding. read that like her relationship with Joel is a fatherhood, father type relationship? You know what I mean? Like, he's definitely assuming that. But I, I also think, though, that he's trying to like play to her angry heart. Yeah. You don't need anyone. You you don't you're you're an independent. Yeah, screw person. the world. Screw the yeah. world. Come 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 lead with me. I'll give you whatever you want. Oh, man. Do you know I, I wish she broke more than as just as long his as fingers. you give me what oh I wish she just oh, I wish, yeah. <laughs> she broke his whole hand. Well, or, she will. Well, yeah, she, she will. will she will eventually. Let's let's <laughs> let's keep going here. Uh actually let's get to that that part. Uh Joel makes it through a harsh snowfall to the resort and discovers the horse dead along with human bodies hung up like cattle in a butcher shop. David and James grab Ellie out of her cage and hold her down on the chopping table. As David raises the cleaver to chop her, uh, she shouts, I'm infected, which stops him. And she looks at him and says, "Uh, now you are too. And we see that he's bitten. Uh, She bit his hand, I guess, when they were struggling. Uh, They roll up her sleeve and David doesn't believe, he doesn't believe it's real because she would have turned by now. She grabs the cleaver and thrusts it into James's neck and then runs out into the steakhouse. She tosses a piece of burning wood at David but misses, and this causes the building to catch on fire. David locks them both in and starts to call out for her. She manages to stab him in the gut, but he pins her down on the ground and tells her he thought she already knew that fighting is the part he likes most. As he tells her not to be afraid, she manages to reach the cleaver and slams it into his face. He falls back, she gets up, and then proceeds without any, any thought to just chop into his face over and over and over again as the flames rise behind her. 
She stumbles outside the steakhouse, and Joel finds her. She starts fighting him, beating his chest, until she realizes that it's him. She embraces him, and he calms her down, telling her, it's me. He covers her in his coat, and they begin to walk away. 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 Oh, my gosh. Into Into the finale. Um, But before we get to the finale, this was another one of those moments from the game that we knew was coming, um, you know, but certainly... I know I wasn't. I'm sure you weren't looking forward to having to watch again. What did you think of this this brutal um, character shaping moment for Ellie? Well, I, I I will say that I was looking forward to it because you know David gets his just sure. desserts. We knew what was going to happen. Yeah. The circumstances of it, yes, very uncomfortable uh, and and very inappropriate. But you know this this much like the game was intense and and it matched that intensity um the difference is is that i didn't have to anxiously run around a burning steakhouse to fend <laughs> and off constantly David. die somehow um, i'm sure you did yeah 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 exa- <laughs> well I, I i definitely died quite a, quite a bit in that yeah. moment uh in that in that part of this the game but you know i i love that much like the game again it keeps things play by play and we stay focused on ellie's rage um you know while there are different circumstances to how joel you know, beat the guard to a bloody pulp in, in episode one. Um, these these two feel very similar, mm-hmm. right? These two moments, right? I, I know we had the moment before with with the the men from from the Salt Lake Resort, but I think I really saw this as a, a connecting back to episode one, where we see Joel go into a fit of rage and beat that security guard. This was Ellie fighting off David who thought that she was weak and that she could be beaten and that she could be taken advantage yeah. of. And that is what, what Ellie was really pummeling and, and chopping up to little pieces, if you will. You know, Bella Ramsey in this moment is so intense. And I think she gave a, a, a sort of hauntingly beautiful rage out performance mm-hmm. um, as she just hacked away. And I think it's, you know, like Ashley Johnson in the game did, did a great job. Here, you know, you don't have performance capture. At the time when you're looking at it, it's like, whoa, this is a video game that is delivering a full emotional moment. It's intense. And here you have that, you know, captured so well, but with a new level of performance from Bella Ramsey that just, it feels like this, as you said, it's it's a character shaping moment for her. And, you know, again, with how creepy Scott Shepard's performance was uh, as David, this felt like the earned killing that that needed to happen. In one episode. It was like, yes! Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Right, where again, (laughs) we're used to that for a lot of shows taking a much longer time. Um, But no, we were, I was ready to get him out of there. Um, The line, don't be afraid, there's no fear in love, which he says as he's disgustingly like, you know, crawling over her and she's spitting his I face. I thought that was very poignant yeah. given the themes of what we've been well, talking about. But it, the thing show. is, is like, yes, but it's, it's also, there is no fear in love is absolutely not true, which the show is, is pointing out. Um, and it's just another sort of last resort that David is turning to, to, to try and failing, you know, he's, he's trying and he's failing to, to manipulate her in this over. moment. Right. Yeah. Um, which yeah. is just like, dude, you've lost. Like you're not, you're not going to win her over in this moment. Um, but it's yeah. Unfortunately, he doesn't. Yeah, the the most cringe thing he said though was uh was I I thought you knew I like the fight like oh just gosh, makes you dude. think like you like you said this motherfucker was a teacher yeah and and that's the thing like, like I, and that was that was an element that 
both the fact that he was a teacher and that line was not in the game uh, originally, right? No, I think it maybe they decided not to lean into it as much because it wasn't necessary. But like, I appreciated that they they tried to give a sense of alteration so that they could expand the character a little bit more. So that makes us hate yeah. him that much yeah. more. Do you know what I mean like that? Make us grossed out by him. That make us feel like in this moment, like he got his just desserts. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? So, or, you know, he was tiny little pieces. I don't know. I can't think of a cannibalist. Joke right <laughs> here, so. Tiny little pieces <laughs> will come up later, but, um, this is, this is a moment that will never leave Ellie. This trauma will unfortunately stay with her for the rest of her life. And the line, um, you know, earlier that he says about the fact that she has a, a violent heart, she does. Um, mm. and her, her actions in defending herself here are absolutely justified, but throughout right. her life, they might, they might not always be. Uh, and right. so I, I just, I think it was, it was, it was really, they, they, again, as hard as this moment to watch was to watch, they did a phenomenal job at, at representing it. Uh, and you're right, yeah. dude, Bella Ramsey, just, it was like a riveting performance. The way she's shaking when she leaves the building and she, you can see in her face, she can't even process what just happened. Like she just, right. it just is, it's such a blur for her. Uh, and then I got to say, dude, the one line and the soft delivery from Pedro Pascal, uh, where he just My says, it's okay, baby girl, I got you. And he's saying it here in the exact same tone that he said it when he held Sarah as she was taking her final breaths. Like, dude, I was like instant tears. Like, I was like instant, just, it hit so hard. Um, and it's just one of those things where I was just like, I, they, they're, they're again, it was just a matter of like, the casting for the show from these two actors is is so perfect. Uh, and I also wanted to shout out the music here um, is a song called um, Unbound, uh, which is actually from The Last of Us Part 2, which, again, you know, obviously we're not going to get into spoilers for the game. Obviously we're not, <laughs> but that's a spoiler How for is that sure. a spoiler that that's the music? <laughs> I'm, just I'm just saying... <laughs> That music I and know. when that music does come up, it's foreshadowing. It's, it's a, definitely correct. foreshadowing. We got yes. a little bit of foreshadowing. Exactly. Okay, if that's yes. too much of a spoiler, then I don't know what to tell you. Uh, let's get to our overall rating and thoughts for this uh, episode, which we're going to be rating on a scale of one to five tiny little pieces. Well, like you said, man, this was a great episode. Uh, one I was looking forward to, even though the circumstances of it were probably the weirdest. Uh, first, it's an Ellie-centric episode. Yeah. I, I, I and I really loved that you know after spending so much time with Joel and the two of them together you know she's on her own she has to fend for herself so this was great as as a penultimate for for that um, we knew this was going to happen we knew where what we were going to see David at some point but and, and the importance that this story very much shows that while the infected are a threat to people people are a threat to people um, yep. and in all facets from from the sense of how they lead to the decisions that they're making to the fact that they want to eat each other um, willingly or unwillingly. Who, who knows? <laughs> so um, there were some new liberties taken, though, with with this episode, uh, but not much. Most of it played out exactly like the game, which I think if you're looking for that level of adaptation, then this is totally for you. But I, I still think that, you know, I come back to the idea of how at times this show makes changes that feel like a significant change from the game and and at other moments it just goes play by play um and yeah while this was very much much like the game um i think it needed to be 
too because it it's so pivotal to Ellie and her rage that would inevitably show up later um you know she's hinted in the past that she's killed but i i don't think she's killed like no. this and and as i mentioned before you know given that we've seen Joel in episode 1 embrace his rage ellie has now found that rage inside of her brought about by david a teacher preacher who eats people and is a total pedophile and as she says is an animal and was treated like an animal and hacked up like one um so while i might have wanted maybe a little bit more an alteration to the game for this adaptation i do appreciate the perspective that the episode delivered with outstanding performances from both pedro even though he wasn't in it for that long but when he was on screen he was fantastic and bella ramsey was was flawless uh Scott Shepard as David was sadistic and as you described manipulative uh, at, at his core, uh, very eerie and Troy Baker, you know, it was great to finally see him in the show. So I'm going to give this four out of five tiny little pieces. This was a great penultimate episode. Yeah. I think a lot of similar sentiments there, Justin. Um, <clears throat> I think much like last week's episode, I think for me, this was a mirror of the game. Um, but I, I did think that this did a great job of, like you're saying, adding more to the character of David, this this creepy, damaged, distorted image of fatherhood uh, in a way. Mm. And the way they they changed the length of time between these moments obviously worked so much better for the show. It, when I played this, you know, when you play this moment in the game, it feels so long. It feels like such a long chapter in the game. It's a whole season. Right. <laughs> it could have been. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I think this allowed us to, the way they changed it allowed us to get a fun cameo guest appearance from Troy Baker. And I like seeing him in, in as many things as I can. Um, and this is the, for, for a lot of people, uh, I, I do think that this is the scariest part of the first game from a mm -hmm. psychological standpoint more than anything. Yes. Um, yes. And they, they included the, the right dialogue to both enhance as well as scale back some of the implications that they show in the game, um, as we've we've sort of talked about, and while I don't think this episode is as good as episode one, I think it I do think it nails the aspects of adaptation that I enjoyed about that episode. Uh, in that I, I do think that like episode one, uh, you know, is the the exact way that that you should adapt from a video game. Um, but I will say again the incredible performances on both sides, but especially Bella this week. Um, so for this episode, I'm going to give it a solid four out of five tiny little pieces. I'm hoping the upcoming finale brings me to a 4.5 or even a five out of five would be really great. Um, but that being said, this show has just been so incredible week to week, no matter what, like no matter mm -hmm. Even if the you know one of the ways they adapted the storyline, or or uh, even if the yeah, it's episodes been haven't fully connected with us, it's been consistently great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, man, really enjoying it. I'm stoked for next week uh, to get to the finale. Uh, but that is it for this week's Watch Club for HBO's The Last of Us. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or predictions on the shows we cover in Watch Club, uh, well, listen, you, you don't have to you know, f slam face first into the snow like Ellie did in this episode. Uh, instead, Justin, can you let them know uh, how they can reach us outside of their QZ? 
I thought you were going to go for kneecaps with that one. Oh, but, gosh. Uh, uh, they could reach us at uh, wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or they can hit us up on Twitter at geekcentricyt or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. Yeah, please don't lose any kneecaps trying to reach us. That would be really unfortunate. Or kill people, get people's kneecaps, <laughs> pop some pop, kneecaps to get, pop get them our out email. The, if you did, yeah. you're a devoted fan, but I don't know if we want to hear from no, you. No, <laughs> no, yeah, please stay away. Keep in mind, we also have a ton of other great episodes covering the latest in movies, TV shows, and games, including our spoiler-free review for the Apple TV Plus original series, Hello Tomorrow, as well as Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Plus, we have some interviews from the cast and crew of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Justin sat down with Catherine Newton, who plays Cassie in the film, and I had a lovely chat with Peyton Reed, the director uh, of the movie so check out those uh, subscribe to us here as well as on youtube at youtube.com slash geekcentric we're also on tiktok now uh, i keep telling justin to do a tiktok dance he still hasn't done one um, but listen if you are enjoying this watch club and you want to travel to a galaxy far far away well listen we have two more watch clubs currently going on i'm losing my mind with how many watch clubs we have going on but it's all worth it uh because we have a watch club going on for star wars the bad batch season two uh which is which is well underway and we have another watch club for season three of the mandalorian that we've kind of just kicked off uh, so definitely you know subscribe here subscribe on youtube follow us on tiktok follow us on all the social medias uh, so you can keep up with all the great stuff we got going on justin Thank you so much for joining me for this Watch Club. And as we say, when you're lost in the darkness, eat people. I mean, <laughs> look for the light. <laughs> 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 <laughs>